0: to turn up the gain on that cheap uh, little Japanese radio you have there. If you really want to blow out the transistors, you know. Well, yeah, you have to do that. No, no, not yet. just You watch for hand cue. It'll be all right. Now, you have to do that occasionally. Maybe a lot of you people don't know that the the, uh, transistors in a uh, cheap radio need blowing out periodically the way sinuses need cleaning out. You didn't know that. I know. turn up the gain on that cheap old radio of yours, and we'll blow the situses and the transistors right out for you. And then the radio will sound fifty percent better. We sound great. Or well, turn up the gain. There, that was good. Wasn't it? Doesn't that feel good? Let's try it again, once more. Let's try it again. When you're ready. Oh, great! Now once more, and then you're really going to get some fantastic tone. Bring it. Oh, just tremendous. That really felt good. You know, there's nothing like a good sneeze. In fact, um, I mean, how many times have you sat someplace and all of a sudden you felt this little tickling back in your, you know, way back in the recesses of your plumbing and you felt like you were going to sneeze and you felt it sneaking up on you, sneaking up And then it would go back and go away, you know. Sneak away again. <laughs> drive me crazy. And then it would start coming back again. And then after a while, you get to the point where you would, you know, you just want the sneeze to come. You would welcome the sneeze. Thoroughly. You want it to come. Now, there's two kinds of people. There are the people who fight sneezes, don't want the sneeze. You know, they they, they, uh, you know, they, uh, they do everything they can to, to stop from sneezing. I know some guys, you know, I know one guy, as a matter of fact, that well, any time he had a sneeze, he would take a hold of his his nose with his thumb and his forefinger, and hold it. Yeah, he didn't like to see it go, like that, you know, go, well, one day, he just went, and he blew every fuse in his head. Smoke was coming out of his ears. You just can't do that, buddy. That's like the overload relay, right? You just blow everything up, your transistors, your rectifiers, everything's gone after that. So if you're going to sneeze, let it out. Just let it out. That's great. You know, one of my favorite commercials is no longer on the air. You know, with this guy that looked like Odd Job. You remember Odd Job? Had that derby, and he'd throw it around and decapitate people with his derby. I'd love to have a derby like that. Wow! And uh, he'd throw it and it would go. <laughs> remember, it would make a whistling sound. Well, you remember the guy that looked like Odd Job, who, who he'd come home and he'd bow to his wife or something. She was very. Beautiful-looking uh, Oriental lady. He'd bow to her, and all of a sudden he'd go, oh, and the whole house would start falling down. <laughs> oh, man, they don't—they uh, just don't make commercials like that now. You have ladies, you know, walking around squeezing the charm, and oh well, oh well. I mean, uh, we still have the white tornado. That's always good. I mean, when all things fail, you got the white. Uh, speaking of uh, white tornadoes. We have a lot of commercials. And by the way, uh, for those of you who have uh, wondered about this, it is not uh, our doing that there are thousands of commercials. It is the price. <laughs> it is the price of a radio station's commercial success. <laughs> and it's you know after all, it pays the bills. It uh, keeps your speaker cone rattling and uh, does all that stuff. But uh, tonight I have a very special type of show I'm going to do. I, I have to do this. Just you know. Once in a while I feel like I have to do a public service. You know, a real public service. Just fling your your you know, your your body down in front of the juggernaut of time. It was kinda nice, wasn't it? Maybe we better clear up the sinuses again. (laughs) (laughs) You really like that, don't you? I'll tell you, it, it, it really blows the dust out of the transmitter around right here, you know. After hours of John gambling, we need something. It, just, it blows, you know, it just goes, Aah! Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, you ought to see the final tubes. Wow, oh, the overload relays, the VU meters. Anyway, uh, all that uh, is beside the point. Uh, before we go any further tonight, I think I ought to warn you that tonight's program is in the nature of a public service. Now, uh, public service stuff is generally very dull. You know, it's like a story about uh, the latest advances in uh, muscular therapy for guys that have got uh, triple feature, uh, triple feature paralysis from watching too many movies and drive-ins. You know that. I, you know that a guy showed up in a in a uh, hospital not too long ago in uh, Miami Beach, Florida, just outside of Miami, it's in Dade County down there, and. Uh, he has a new, uh, a, a new modern, a modern disease. You know, it's a kind of disease you just don't get unless you're really a 20th century man. He was carried into the emergency ward after watching six movies in one of these gigantic multiple screen. Uh, have you seen the multiple screen drive-ins? We have you know 34 screens all over the place. And this guy went in there one night just at dusk and he was taken out at 2 o'clock in the morning after he had seen six consecutive features, and there was only one thing wrong with him. He was completely eaten down to the bone with Miami Beach sand fleas that had come in his car. <laughs> He's sitting there, and, and uh, you know, hour after hour, and especially since uh, he, uh, the first three films that he watched, maybe this is significant, I don't know, the first three films that he watched were Disney films you know, about Life Among the Lovable Grizzlies, you know, that kind of thing, or You Too Can Love a Saber-Toothed Tiger, uh, you know, the anthropomorphic freak film. You know, you know Disney. Disney has only two kinds of films. He has a, a lovable otter who, uh, you know, just for the sake of a few misplaced genes, would have been the other hero of all Disney films, a lovable, red-haired, freckle-faced lad uh, those two people show up in all their films there. And you can interchange the animal. He can be a dachshund. He can be a uh, hooded cobra. You know, the hooded cobra that learned to read, you know, that would be a great thing. The little hooded cobra that went to school with Donnie, the little red-headed boy, and all the other kids uh, mistakenly thought that the hooded cobra was evil. When we all know all animals in Disney are not evil at all. It's man. that's evil, right? Only grown-up men, grown-up people. As a matter of fact, any animal will tell you that the real danger to animal life is kids. Kids kill everything that moves for miles around. But, see, they've reversed it all in Disney. It's always the kid that's protecting the hooded cobra. And there's an evil guy, played by Keenan Wynn, who uh, shows up. I'm going to kill that hooded cobra. I a hooded cobra. You know, does. That, that sounds like him, doesn't it? <laughs> that's my Keenan Wynn. Well, I'm one of the few guys that ever say Keenan Wynn. And uh, one of my favorite roles that Keenan Wynn ever played was one time he played a role in uh, in the Bob Newhart show. And uh, Bob Newhart is a psychologist, you see, in the show, and he went back to see his old teacher. You know, Newhart, after all, is a psychologist, see, and he was, he was feeling that he was kind of uh, hitting a plateau in his work and he was kind of despondent and he wanted to go back to get the old fire, you know, back at the university and see this great man who had once been his uh, mentor, and who had been uh, guiding his life, and and it was because of this great mentor uh, that he had become a psychologist. Well, you know, in every university, and no matter how cockamamie the school is, there's one teacher who's considered to be the grand old man of Greek 101. You, you've known that type, you know, and everybody goes to his house on Sundays and eats uh, chocolate chip cookies, and his wife has his cheap wine she gives him. And uh, Dr. Grubbage sits around and regales his students with his funny songs, which he has written in Greek. And he plays his guitar. You know that type, right? Well, uh, <laughs> Newhart goes back. <laughs> Newhart goes back to, to, uh, to see his mentor. Well, uh, I don't recall the mentor's name, but he had some great name like Dr. Bullard. and uh, he goes back to see Dr. Bullard. He takes the week off and he goes back to his school. Well, he he comes into Doctor Bullard's office, and who is it but Keenan Wynn with a beard, looking real mad. Keenan Wynn is sitting there at his desk, and he's got all these da- all these books all around him. At, uh, at doctor Newhart, what is Bob Newhart's name? Quick! And, that's right, Doctor Hartley. I'm just you know I keep my people up on these Americana things. Doctor Hartley shows up, and he's announced. The girl says, "There is a." Dr. Robert Hartley here to see you. Who? She says, Dr. Robert Hartley. Dr. Hartley, who's that? says, well, uh, he's one of your uh, one of your old students. Hartley? I never heard of him. Well, at that point, they bring Dr. Hartley in, see, and, and, and here he is. And first, Keenan Wynn doesn't recognize him, which really crushes Dr. Hartley to begin with, because he always thought of himself as Dr. Hartley's Doctor, or rather, Dr. Keenan Wynn's favorite pupil. You know, he, he singled uh, Newhart out of the whole class. <laughs> he says, gee, how are you, Dr. Doctor? Doctor Bullard? It's certainly great to be back here. Who are you? He says, well, Bob Hartley. Don't you remember me? Bob Hartley? Class of 57? Bob Hartley? Hartley? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You lost the rest of your hair. Well, that was a great start. You lost the rest of your hair. At which point he says to doctor he says to doctor Bullard, Doctor Bullard, I just want to tell you I come back. I'm out practicing today, you know, I'm a psychologist, and I'm practicing and I came back for a little inspiration. And I, I just wanted to hear your voice and to inspire me to greater better work again. And doctor Bullard looked at him a long hard look. What kind of crap is this? At that point, Doctor, doctor, <laughs> doctor, Hartley says, "Well, gee, Doctor Bullard, I, uh, you know, uh, I came back for inspiration, uh, to to reinstill in me the spirit of a psychologist healing the wounded souls of the 20th century. We, our calling is only next to the priesthood, and uh, and I want to be reinstilled with that great drive and that tremendous motivation which you gave to me as a budding young psychologist in your classes back in the class of '57, Doctor Bullard, sir." And he thought about this for a minute. Dr. Bullard says, You know what I think about psychology? At which point, you know, Dr. Hartley was waiting to get this great word of advice and inspiration about psychology. At which point, Dr. Bullard says, It's all a bunch of bunk! Bunk! That's one it is punk bunk! But at that point, Dr. Hartley is staggered. He says, Well, Dr. Bullard, please... What is there in life? What does count? You don't tell you what counts? Golf. It's the only thing that makes sense, golf. You gotta work on your backswing, especially your irons. the middle game. That's what counts. Golf. Let's clear the sinuses. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> this is W O R New York. I said again, W R New York. W O R New York, I say again, and that of course means commercials. Oh, you don't have it? Oh, I've got to, I've got to clear the sinuses again. Come, please. <coughs> After all that, we sure have to clean the sinuses out once more. Jim, please, please. <coughs> oh, wow, that was something else again. Walking Montgomery Ward catalog here. Hey, you know, uh, uh, before we do any, you know, further uh, uh, procrastinating here, let's get right down to the public service that we promised you. Now, I'm constantly, as anybody is in media, deluged with all kinds of letters from various PR concerns, you know, always telling you, we think that this would be a perfect thing for your program. Do you realize that this is uh, the week that celebrates the international pea-pickers? We have pea-pickers from all over the country who would be delighted to come and, you know, that kind of thing. See, you get this, uh, oh, you have one more? You mean there's another one laying around on the floor you'd like to play? Oh, goody. (laughs) that damn nitrogen. Holy oh, smoke. Don't tell me I've got listeners who worry about lawns. That's a scary thought. I'll tell you. Like, I have this friend. It's the beginning already, you know. It's springtime. Oh, wow, am I glad it's spring. <laughs> oh, I hate winter. I hate winter like I hate cold sores. You know, it's a thing you accept, really. You know, you know, you don't hate cold sores like, say, for example, you hate, uh, uh cancer or something like that you know cold sores is just, you're just kind of kind of rotten right you know you'll put up with it but you're not going to contribute to the Jerry Lewis stamp out cold Sore uh, annual telethon, right I mean you know I, mean, although, <laughs> I think more than one person would be delighted to send it as though however uh, you know it's, it's spring see and I, I, I uh, and whenever spring comes around, and uh, like a nest of... What, what is it? A nest of something in your hair? What is it? A nest of... Uh, and it's not wrens. It's some kind of birds. Well, you know, a tree standing around there has a nest of uh, uh, parakeets in its head. No, no, that's not true. A nest of crows? No, 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 no. A nest of buzzards? No, no. Oh, well, that's uh, immaterial. We don't like to bother you with literary questions at this hour. However... As a, you know, as an observer of the scene, I have to report that I have a friend, every time spring comes around, he begins to talk about his power lawnmower. And the power lawnmower syndrome will last the entire summer. Every time I see him, I say, how you doing, Frank? He said, I don't know, it's got a knock. I said, Frank, I ask you, how you doing? How you doing? I don't know, the damn thing is burning more gas. I said, I don't know what's the matter, and... And I gotta get the blade sharpened again. I said, Frank, will you stop it with the power lawnmower? He says, What do you mean? How can I stop it? That power lawnmower owns me. I don't own it. it owns me. I said, Every weekend I love to get out and drive it. Well, I know one guy that uh, you know. In fact, you know that they're starting power lawnmower Jim Connors now over in uh, certain areas of uh, Jersey and suburbia. You know what a Jim Connors is? It's a competition. Well, you know what a Jim Con is when they You know, you've seen skiing Jim Connors where they skate around balloons and barrels. Well, you ought to see a power lawnmower Jim Connor with eight horsepower power limitations, including the, uh, you know, cut grass blowers. That's really exciting. However, I don't... Yeah, you know, I don't want to get into that. I, I must go into my public service, and I'm going to do it now. I got this letter. see, great big box. With all kinds of stuff in the mail. It says, Shepard, do you realize that... Um, that it is the 66th anniversary this year of the Boy Scouts of America. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that uh, kids, you say, ho, ho, hum. And so he says, yes, yeah, the 50, 66th anniversary of the Boy Scouts of America, and uh, what could be more American than for you to salute the Boy Scouts? Would you please give me a little of that uh, American music, that little, uh, the next one. The, uh, that's right. I thought... Well, this is the size of strikes forever. We're saluting the Boy Scouts. Now, the Boy Scouts bosses won't like this salute. but every Boy Scout I know is going eight. He's got his shirt. He's got his little paper cord right. He's taping the salute to the Boy Scouts. Come, for no old crab. Hooray, uh, hooray for the people the And the moose and the elk and the bees Hooray for the sheep shank I love the bowline and the birds and the bees Hooray for the bees! That's the salute for the Boy Scouts on their 66th anniversary. <laughs> We're ready for the Woodcraft merit badge? Do you know that you can get uh, speaking merit badges? So I always keep uh, on my vast bookshelf of reference material the Boy Scout handbook. Oh yes, so you can. You can find out all kinds of things. For example, uh, you can find out which way is north by reading your handbook. And a lot of guys I know, especially after you know six or seven hours at Michael's pub, would give almost anything to know which way is north. And they have a hell of a time. I know one guy that walked east. <laughs> I mean, for 18 blocks till his hat was floating. Now, if, had he had known which way was north, it would not have happened. Now, the Boy Scout Handbook gives you that information. For example, do you know that, the, that the, which side of the tree does the moss grow on, class? The south side? The west side? You have four choices. It's a multiple-choice question. The east side or the north side? Which is it? You uh, can fill out your test there, A, B, C, and D. Okay, now I'll ask you another question. A Boy Scout is always, now here you have your choice, A, afraid of the dark, B, mad at everybody, C, ready for any action at any time, D, always prepared. Which is a Boy Scout? You don't know? Well, a Boy Scout is always prepared. In fact, that is the Boy Scout's motto. I am prepared. How do you think that I got where I am? As an ex-Boy Scout, I've always kept that in the forefront of my consciousness, whenever I was conscious. I'd drag it out, and I'd read that again. It says, uh, you are prepared. Now, they never say what you're prepared for. Now, there's... A lot, of st- a lot of stuff I haven't been exactly prepared for. But, uh, you know, I do the best I can as an ex-Boy Scout. And the Boy Scouts had a very strong influence on me, really, seriously. And this guy has the temerity, whoever this guy is. He's a Boy Scout public relations representative. Didn't know the Boy Scouts had a public relations representative, did you? Oh, they do. And I'll bet the Girl Scouts do and the campfire girls the little Elks of Western America have, the odd fellows. they all have a PR man now. And uh, this PR man says, if you'd like to know anything about scouting, call me. Buddy, I can tell you more about scouting. I'll bet any money you're like most PR men, you weren't even a scout, I'll bet. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know uh, one of my friends is a PR man for a big boat firm. You know, big boats? I mean, he is a PR man for a company that makes 50-foot boats beautiful boat. This guy is pathologically, psychologically afraid of all water. He does not even take baths. And people are always writing him questions about boats. Yeah. You know. Well, of course, our society is filled with the non-expert. It's like asking a priest about marriage. You know, people were always doing that, too. So I never could figure that out, you know. But uh, nevertheless, the facts of, of the, of, you know, of life are... I could tell you a few things about scouting. And he goes on to say, of course, this is city scouting. It's just, you know, that's a special thing. I was a city Boy Scout. Now, I don't know what it would be like to be a country Boy Scout, you know, where you can really do the stuff that you read about in the handbook. For those of you who have not been... Reading the handbook recently, do you know they have a new merit badge uh, called communication merit badge? And one of the requirements for the communications merit badge is the kid has to make his own 60-second commercial and deliver it see, for, the, for the troop, I guess. And uh, you know they all sit there and, and, uh, and uh, I guess they grade him on it, but. I, I like the idea of a kid delivering a commercial as part of the Boy Scout communication merit badge, you know. Kids, uh, I can see the old man, you know, showing up, uh, and uh, in the morning he's going to shave, see, and he rushes into the bathroom, and there's this kid, his freckled-faced, red-haired kid, standing in front of the mirror, holding up a Schick, a tra- Gillette track two razor <laughs> And he's saying things like, uh, yes, it cuts smoothly, without pull, no razor burn, no razor get out of my way, i got to shave! Kid says, oh, Dad, I'm practicing my merit badge. I'm sorry, Jim, but that's, now as a kid, though, and all Boy Scouts are theoretically kids, I'm going to show you how smart I am as an ex-Boy Scout. Now, I am giving, for the benefit of those of you out there in the outer precincts, I'm giving you now the Boy Scout Salute. Correct? That is the Boy Scout salute, right? Now, the Boy Scouts salute, of course, certain troops, uh, in in fact, in my troop, Troop 41, uh, the Boy Scouts had an underground salute, which we used to give occasionally. For example, I'll never forget when Troop 41 played Troop 23 in basketball. We had a basketball team in our troop. And a whole bunch of the kids from Troop 41 sat around in the upper reaches of the Warren G. Harding gym where we played. We played this basketball game, giving the Troop 41 special Boy Scout salute to Troop 23. Until finally, Mr. Gordon came up and threw about six kids out of the out of the gym. <laughs> but our salute was very much like uh, the salute which Ted Williams is famous for once giving out of the dugout. Did you know that Ted Williams once? gave a very famous salute to the to the fans. Oh, yes, it, uh, it, he was just way ahead of himself. If, if if any ball player ever gave that today on national TV with Kurt Gowdy describing it, the guy would be overnight starring in every major porny film in the business. But uh, <laughs> Ted Williams did. He's you a know, famous thing. So uh, I am going to show you how impressed the Boy Scouts uh Uh, dealt with my brain, how impressively they did! I still remember the Boy Scout oath. Do you remember the Boy Scout oath? On my honor, I will do my best to do my duty to God and my country and to obey the Scout law, to help other people at all times, to keep myself physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight. That was the Boy Scout oath. I even remember the Cub Scout oath. You want to hear the Cub Scout See, you know, a Cub Scout, you belong to a Cub pack. Uh, a wolf pack, like you have this little blue hat. I have one of these little blue hats with a triangle on it, yellow thing. I promise to do my best, to do my duty to God and my country, to be square and to obey the law of the pack. And then you used to howl like a wolf. <laughs> yeah, wolf pack. That's right, they'd howl. Did you ever hear them do that? Yeah, well, we had a really dynamic troop. And uh, uh, one of the great experiences, though, that I had as a Boy Scout, I owe some of the... Now, you want to know what a Boy Scout troop is like in the city? Okay, well, here was a typical project. Mr. Gordon was our scoutmaster, and I was in the moose patrol. And, uh, and uh, you know, we had a junior patrol leader. We had a patrol leader. I'll bet you don't remember what the uh, insignia of the patrol leader is. He wears a little patch. A little green, yeah, right? Okay. Uh, so w- one day, uh, Mr. Gordon said at our troop, he says, we're going to have this big project. And this Saturday, this Saturday, we're going to really go over the top here in Troop 41. Beginning at 8 a.m. Saturday morning and continuing through 6 p.m. That's Sunday night. Troop 41 with my brother's pickup truck and my brother-in-law's pickup truck, we're going to drive all over town and collect old newspapers. At which point we will sell these newspapers to buy something really special for Boy Scout Troop 41. And that's what we did. We drove around all day long. Do you ever do it? Yeah. you remember any projects you were in? And we were in these trucks, see? Mr. Gordon's brother-in-law, who was kind of a fat guy that smelled of beer, kind of funny, and he had this he had this big Dodge truck, and uh, me and Schwartz and Flick and Bruner and uh, Jack Martin and uh, Stanley Roper, all the guys from the troop, were sitting in the back of a truck, and we went to each block, we'd drive to a block, and we would fan out like locusts, and we would go up on the steps of, a, of each house, each kid would take about three houses, and went up, and you'd knock <laughs> on the door, see? and the door would open, each kid was wearing, by the way, what part of a Boy Scout uniform he had. Now there was only about six kids in the troop. They had the whole, you know, the whole tick. Now I had a hat, boy, a really great Boy Scout hat, and I had a neckerchief. You know the neckerchief, of, and our troop's colors was was gold and purple. And I had this head of a uh, of a uh, of a mountain goat, which I had carved as one of my wood carving things to make a neckerchief slide. See, and I'd go up and knock on the door, and I'll never forget. About 8 a.m., we started out. About 8.05, I ran into my first reef in the seas of, uh, of uh, soliciting for, for free papers, knocking the door. I knock on the door. You know, kids are very persistent. Uh, you know, a real civilized person will knock on the door, and if he knocks twice and nobody shows up, he goes. But a kid won't, you know. A kid goes, you know, like that, see. I kept knocking on the door. Finally, the door opened. After about 18 knocks, the door opened, and here's a guy standing there. He's got stubble all over his face, and he's got an old bathrobe on, and this great wave of used bourbon smell come out. Just woo, out of the house. I recognize this because he smells like my Uncle Carl smelled. And, uh, you know, a great wave. And he looks out, and his, his eyes look like two little tiny fried eggs. And he looks at me and he says, what, "What do you want?" And he takes one look at my carved, <laughs> my carved mountain goat <laughs> neckerchief slide, and I can see he focuses. What the hell? It's like he's— waiting. he doesn't believe he's even conscious, and he's seeing a carved mountain goat. And he looks at it and he says, "Get away! Get away! Get away!" Get away uh. he swats at it like he's swatting at a fly. He's hitting me. He's get out, get out! What is that thing you're telling the neck? Get away! Get away! He said, says, can you? I have some free papers. I'm from Food to a Get away! Get away!" He slams the door. Well, now, what does a kid do under that circumstance? Does he leave? No. Just like that. Well, I kept knocking on the door. Well, I'm just leaving, finally, after 20 minutes of knocking on this guy's door. The truck is already halfway down the next block when I hear the police coming. Well, that morning, Troop 41 collected 17 tons of newspapers. Which we took hour after hour back to back to the <laughs> back to the junkyard where George the Greek would buy us buy the papers for what two cents a ton something like that. And so we'd take a whole truckload of papers. It took us 18 hours to collect. We'd go back and he'd unload it and give Mr. Gordon eight cents. Well, we did this hour after hour late into the night. And people have a surprising amount of used newspapers in their basement. Once in a while you hit a guy that his whole basement is filled with newspapers. And, you know, he looks at you like a god and says, Oh, my God, you're going to take my papers! And we'd unload all this guy's papers and the the mice are running out and the the guy's got owls in the basement and toadstools growing up on the newspapers. In fact, we brought back newspapers that described the fall of Gettysburg. Some people had newspapers going back to the early days of the beginning of Christianity. You know, things like a Renaissance start. You know, the Medici's announced late yesterday afternoon in the Vatican that this is the official opening day of the Renaissance. And after it was all over, what did true 41 buy? What do you think we bought? We bought, a set a signal flag, a wigwag signal flag. Which we hung up on the wall, in the church basement where we met. I don't recall anybody ever learning how to wigwag with signal flags, but it was a great weekend, and I learned one thing. I learned the futility of commerce. Work your old thing to the bone, and what do you wind up with a pair of signal flags, signifying nothing? Smoke and fury. Oh, flame burned in thy holocaust. Burn those WOR, New York. Stay tuned for In Conversation.